Luke chapter 5. And we're going to read just 11 verses. And um, today I just want to begin something that I'm just going to be dealing with for a couple of weeks. And I am really stirred about this, really excited to be talking about what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. And so let's zone in. So it was as the crowds pressed about him, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and they were washing their nets. Plural, nets, plural. Then he got into a boat, one of the boats, which was Simon's, this is the Lord Jesus, and asked him to put out a little uh, from the land and he sat down and he taught the crowds from the boat and when he had stopped speaking he said to Simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets plural for a catch but Simon answered and said to him master we've toiled all night long and caught nothing however at your word I'll let down one net so it's great he did something but he really wouldn't believe in much yeah one net and when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish that their net was breaking. Well, no wonder the net was breaking. They should have let all their nets down and they only let one down. So the one they did let down couldn't handle what God planned for their life. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. When they came and they filled the two boats and they began to sink. So when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at at the feet of Jesus and he said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord, for he and all who were there with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they'd taken. So also were James and John, the sons of uh, Zebedee, who were partners, fishing partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats into the land, they forsook all and they followed the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in another gospel, just that end bit of the fourth chapter of Matthew verse 19, Jesus said, come and follow me, come and follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Come and follow me and then I'm gonna send you out to fish for people. Today I want to talk about come and follow me. Come and follow me. If you read through the Bibles, you find that expression a number of times where Jesus speaks to somebody and, and it's as if he eyeballs them. He said it a number of times, but it, it was also very personal every time he said it. He said, come and follow me. And it was so impacting, so life-changing. They knew they were standing in the presence of something, of someone. That this man here was prepared to leave his whole business immediately and just go and follow Jesus Christ. I remember the day when I felt that same presence. Fairfield Halls in Croydon about half past nine at night, October the 8th, listening to somebody who couldn't understand him. He had such a strong accent, I didn't know, and the drugs didn't help either. <laughs> and the mess I was in. How I got there, I don't know. 
But there was a challenge at the end of that service that said, if you've got the guts to even accept there could be a God, then you need to know. And I sort of stood there. Well, I think I was standing. I was about the fifth row, about the third seat in on the end of the aisle over there. And I can remember that I knew I was standing in the presence of something. It, I've said this so many times. It hit me like a ton of bricks that I knew I would never be the same again. I didn't know the Bible. I'd been raised in a, a sort of a very traditionally Catholic family. Didn't have a Bible, didn't pray, went to church, did my confession, did all that stuff, didn't believe it. <laughs> Wasn't any use to me. You know when your heart's not connected, even if there's life in it, you don't know, you don't receive anything. But on that day, something hit me so strongly, so powerfully that I, my life was never the same again. Why? Because it's as if I was eyeballed by Jesus Christ. And I didn't hear these words, but that encounter with God, it, it was as if Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You go out and you'll catch people. That was 40 years ago now and 30 years of ministry and but it's not about being a pastor, it's about being a disciple. See that, come and follow me, is not just a word for people who do something for Jesus. <laughs> it's a word to all those who will call Jesus Christ Lord. Come and follow me. For Simon that day, it was absolutely life-changing. He fell at the feet of Jesus Christ, called him Lord, left everything to follow Jesus. I want to ask this question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You see, today, perhaps that expression follower of Christ, I don't know, follower of Christ is sort of an ideology, sounds a bit weird if you go up to somebody and say, are you a follower of Christ? See, back in their day, everybody followed somebody. <laughs> They all had a rabbi, they all had a teacher, they all had somebody that they had chosen. I like that one, I'm gonna go and listen to what he or she says. Yeah, it was, it was that sort of thing. But, but now to talk about Christianity as, as I'm a follower of Christ, sounds a bit strange. I mean, to us who know Jesus, it's fine. But it's like, am I a follower of Christ? What about the expression Christian? Well, that wasn't even in the church for years after the church was born. It first happened to Antioch and it was a description of a group of people, not a name they were called. It was they were first called, they were first described Christians at Antioch. Why? Because of the powerful things that were going on. It was a description of the power of God upon their lives. And they said, that's the Christ and the Christ healed and delivered and spoke into people's lives and set people free. That's the Christ. Well, there's a group of people who are acting just like the Christ and they were described as Christians. People who were anointed with the same ointment that was upon Jesus Christ. Today, it's turned into a name of a religion. Christian, but it was never meant to just be a name of a, of a person or a group of people. It was a description of a lifestyle. How about the expression, as they had in the book of Acts, the believers had all things in common. 
They were believers. They believed something. See, our believing has got everything to do with our relationship with God. What we believe is fundamental to what we're going to live. I mean, actually, to put it in the words of Jesus and paraphrase it a bit, if you believe it, you'll get it. If you don't believe it, you won't get it. If you believe it, you'll get it. So there's a power in believing. There's something really important in the fact that we are the believers. What about disciple? Well, now we are really getting weird in 2022. Disciple. Perhaps in the Bible days, everybody was a disciple of somebody. Disciple meant I, I'm a follower. I'd, I'd hear the teaching. I'd adhere to, ascribe to what they were saying. But disciple today is, is something that we understand in the context of church, but it's certainly not in our everyday language. And all these things are really important. So to be a Christian has to do with the power of God upon our life that we demonstrate signs and wonders and miracles and healings. It, you know, if you come to academy, I actually ask this question, are we a believer or are we a believer and a Christian? Because a Christian actually demonstrates some power. Perhaps I should come back away from that one. Is that too challenging for a Sunday morning here at 10.30 in Beckenham? So we're Christians and of course we're followers of Christ. We follow Christ. What does that mean to follow Christ in our world today? It doesn't matter what sort of description we use, Christian believer, disciple, follower of Christ. It's more than a duty and a religion. It's more than a duty. It's more than a, well, it's just the way I was raised. It's just my morals. It's more than that. It's a life of passion. It's a life of passion. I think if there's something that the Holy Spirit does when somebody gives their life to Christ is He puts a passion on the inside. As we were singing earlier, with everything I've got. <laughs> with everything I've got. My heart will sing how I love you. Yes. It's like when you first get into a relationship. It's overwhelming. Well, it was for me anyway. <laughs> See, I'd never had one before. I'd never had one before. I tried. I tried. I'd never had one before. And then Sharon asked me out. Come on. Mate, my ego is just boom. Sharon asked me out to talk to her about her brother. <laughs> who was facing some challenges. And I'd, and I'd been through what he was facing and the challenges. And she thought, who can I talk to? But little did she know I was going to sweep her off her feet. Oh. Mate, 35 years later, I'm still sweeping her off her feet. Absolutely. But, but it's overwhelming. Let's reel it back in, shall we? When you enter into a relationship that means everything to you, it's not that it demands everything you've got. It's that you want to give everything you've got. Because this is everything to me. This is everything to me with everything I've got. 
You can't sing that with your hands in your pockets. You can't, you can't do that with one hand on Facebook. You can't do that thinking about your, 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 I don't know, your fried chicken and your jollof rice. You know, you can't. Is that all right? Is that what you're having for lunch? I don't know. No. Chicken. It's got to be chicken. We're Christians. God made chickens for the church. As far as I'm concerned, where would we be without chicken? But with everything I've got, you see, it's a life of passion. It's a life of purpose. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, you become a follower of Christ. It puts everything into perspective. You know God, you find freedom, you discover purpose and you make a difference. It becomes your lifestyle. It's not just something you believe and you attend on a Sunday. It becomes your lifestyle and that because of the passion and because of the purpose, it becomes a life of power. Incredible power. Power in our own lives to live the life that God has called us to live, but, but power over all the plans and the works of the enemy. Jesus said, you're gonna trample on serpents and scorpions. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Amen. Oh, but Pastor Jay, the world's a mess. Yeah, it's a mess, but, and in this world you'll have trouble. But be of good cheer, Jesus said. I've, over, I've overcome the world. You've got authority, you've got power. Yeah, we walk through, you know, through stuff, but we walk through as the victor not the victim. We walk through with the answer, not just with the problems. We, are, we go through life with the wisdom and the know-how, not just all the confusion and the chaos. It becomes a life of power. So I wanna to talk today about being a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come and follow me. What does that mean to us? What does it mean to come and follow Jesus? Does that mean we need to move and go over to Galilee again? Is that where we need to go to the Holy Land? Does it mean we've got to give up work and it, and it means that we've got to, you know, give everything and come and work for the church? I'm not employing anybody else right now. <laughs> we've got like 18 people. That's enough for now. They do the work of about 30, which is brilliant, but what does it mean to come and follow me? What does that mean to me? Not as a pastor, but as a disciple. As a disciple, as a school teacher, as a doctor, as an accountant, as a husband, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter. What does it mean for me, for us in 2022 to come and follow Jesus? Well, I just want to go through some things here that just to begin to lay a foundation of what this is all about, really. The first point today is this, that Jesus, he chooses us. I want to encourage you today. You are chosen by God. Amen. <laughs> You're chosen. You're chosen. You see, in the disciple days, they chose their rabbi. They went round, I pick you, I pick you. And they chose their teacher. They chose the one they wanted to follow. But I am so glad that Jesus chose me. Amen. He chose me. He chose me. Yeah, but what about Pastor Jay when it says, many are called, but few are chosen? Well, you've got to read the parable. 
that, that parable has caused so much confusion because people read that statement and don't read the rest of the parable. Many are called, a few are chosen. So, you know, how do you know if you're chosen? You're chosen if you turn up. <laughs> That's what the parable is. Everybody come. That's what you, everybody come. And one said, oh, I've got to go and do some work. And somebody else, oh, I've just got married. And da, 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 somebody else, whoever came, he said, right, I'll pick all you lot. I choose you lot. See, if you turn up, you get chosen. Amen. So who determines who gets chosen? Well, Jesus has already chosen everybody, but they walk into the fact that they are chosen if you just turn up. <laughs> he chooses us. Why don't you say that? Jesus chooses me. Jesus I want to encourage you today. He knows it. He knows me. He knows you. He knows your past, your present, and your future. Nothing surprises Jesus, and he's still chosen you. He loves you just as you are. You see, we're a very taught church. We do a lot of, of strong teaching in the church. And today, I just want to, in some ways, bring us back to some basics. God loves me. Even though he knows me, past, present, and future, he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly, he knows the challenges, the strengths, and the victories, and he still loves me unconditionally and says, none of that matters. As long as you come, you're chosen. As long as you turn up, you're chosen, and I love you just as you are. And he calls us, oh yeah, Pastor Joe, I've got a calling. Well, okay, we could go through all that stuff about calling, which is absolutely vital, and I get it, and we've all got purpose and passion, but can I just say the calling is first and foremost a calling to himself. Yes. It's a calling to Jesus. And if ever we lose sight of the fact we're called to him in order to be, if we go for the calling of what I'm supposed to be, and we lose sight of the calling of what, that we're called to Jesus, then this is going to become our God. And I'm only satisfied if I'm doing that. And if it's going wrong, I'm not satisfied and I lose my peace. No, we're called to Jesus. And in our relationship with Jesus, we're able to function in what he's called us to be. Yeah, the Bible says, Ephesians 4, walk in the holy calling that we have. But even in that context, it's about being like Christ. So he chooses me. The second thing today is that he teaches us. He teaches us. If you look through how, how he called his disciples and what happened and they became followers of Christ, it's very, very clear. He spent a lot of time teaching his disciples. So he chose us and he teaches us. Why? Because, well, there's so many reasons why. This is not a series on teaching today, but ignorance is deadly. Ignorance is deadly. If you don't know it, you can't have it. So many people not living in the, in the abundance of God just simply because they don't know about it or they know the wrong thing about it. They've been told the wrong thing. You see, what you believe and what you know in your life is what you're going to live. This is why teaching is so vitally, vitally important. Ignorance is deadly. 
Jesus said, you know, it said all through the Bible, you know, do not be ignorant. Do not be ignorant about this. Do not be ignorant about that. The truth you know will set you free. The truth you know. I don't want to go through life ignorant. If I'm going to say I'm a follower of Christ, number one, I need to know that I'm chosen by God, that He's chosen me. He's called me. He loves me. He receives me. He knows me. But what He's going to want to do in my life pretty quickly is teach me some stuff. Teach me some stuff. Why? Because teaching brings transformation. Our lives are transformed as our minds are renewed. Pretty fundamental to a lot of us here in Citygate that that what you think in line with the Word of God is going to be the life that you live. I don't want to live, oh God, your will be done, just whatever you want to do. No, I want to know what He wants to do. I want to hear His voice and I want to actively be involved in my relationship with God. So it's not just, well, sera, sarah, you know, some kind of whatever will be, will be. But it's like, okay, God, you're talking to me about this. So I'm going to put my faith on that. I'm going to put some prayer into that. And that's going to bring transformation into my life. And I'm going to live in the good fruit of what I've invested and the seed sown that I put into my life. Can I hear an amen this morning? You see, what we are taught is what we are going to live. How does He teach us? (laughs) Number one, His Word. His Word. This book, I have used, I mean, everyone I have doesn't last long. They sort of fall apart pretty quick. And I know we've got an online thing now and we can Zoom, but isn't there something about the physical book? Don't make a God about it, but isn't there something about like, yes, it's my Bible. Anybody else got one or are you all on phones? It's fine. It's fine. So the spiritual ones are sitting over here. Amen. No, listen, I'm joking. I don't care if it's on the page, if it's on an audio, if it's on a, a, a screen, as long as the Word's going in. The Word of God. we got so many things today that can help us get in the Word of God. I mean, you've really got to be working hard to not read the Bible now. <laughs> really. Because there's so much. So it's His Word. How else does He teach us? Well, He teaches us by His Word and, of course, by His voice. His voice. His voice. That we read, but we hear. Faith doesn't come by reading the Bible. That's not what it says. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by spending time in the Word. As we spend time in the Word, we develop what Solomon prayed for, a hearing heart. As we, you see, if you don't read your Bible, you'll be deaf spiritually. Quite simply, you'll be deaf spiritually. I don't know what God's saying to me. We'll start reading your Bible. Simple. Said the meerkats. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> you know the advert, anyway. Simple. Develop a hearing heart by spending time in the Word of God. So he teaches us by his word, by his voice. How else does he teach us? He teaches us by his spirit. 
He's the teacher. Jesus said, I'm going and it's far better that I go because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. But if I do go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I've been around you, but the Spirit of God's going to be on the inside of you. Now, I know the voice and the Spirit, you can sort of put together the voice of God. But the Spirit of God, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is the teacher of the church, not circumstances. We may learn in a circumstance, but never glorify the circumstance as your teacher. Oh, thank God I went through that because that really taught me. Uh Uh-uh. Thank God I heard the voice of God when I was going through that fire and the Spirit of God taught me. Come on, are you with me today? The Spirit of God taught me. This is why praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, praying and spending time with God, He teaches us by His Spirit. And of course, He teaches us by example. He's not here, but we still see His example in the Word of God. What's the, what's the third thing today? Jesus, He, cho- he chose me, He teaches me. The third thing is this, He restores us. Jesus restores us. What does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? Well, we know we're chosen. We're receiving teaching. He's teaching us and He brings restoration into our lives. Aren't you glad that our God is a restorer? And He doesn't just do it one time. The Bible says, restore me again, O Lord. Restore me again. God goes, what, again? I restored you last year. Doesn't matter. If you, if you need restoration, our God is in the restoration business, praise God. And He didn't just clean you up a bit. He restores your soul. He doesn't just clean you up a bit. He restores your finances. What, we, even when things have gone so bad in the marriage, God is a restorer of marriage, praise God. He's a restorer of families. He's a restorer of businesses. He's a restorer of your thinking. He's a restorer of your emotions. He's a restorer of your joy and your peace and your faith and your love. He'll restore it on the inside of your life. He'll restore it on the inside. God is a restorer. I don't know how your life is today, but if you know you're chosen by God and you're spending time in in some teaching, you see your restoration actually is determined so often by the teaching that you get under. Because if you know it, you can have it. And He'll restore every part of your life. As we start to go through some of this stuff this year, I'm expecting wonderful restorations, amazing restorations. You know, the standard in the Word of God is not to just give you back what you lost or what went wrong. The smallest amount of return in restoration that you get is double. (laughs) I'm glad you're so excited about that one. (laughs) Mate, just sort of feel your pulse today, will you? Double. There's sevenfold. There's a thousand fold. There's so many folds in the Bible. He restores us. He heals us. He provides for us. Restoration is for anyone who comes to Jesus. But the responsibility is, of course, that we follow Jesus. What's the fourth thing today in this what it means to be a disciple, a follower, to come to Jesus? He chooses us. He teaches us. He restores us. And the fourth thing is Jesus sends us. Part of the package. Part of the package. 
You see, if ever we take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, then everything else doesn't make sense because we're coming to Jesus. But as we come to Jesus, He teaches us and our lives are made whole in every way. But He never, never intended for us to just live whole lives. He intended for us to make other people's lives whole. This whole last three months has been really about we're blessed to be a blessing. Blessed and highly favoured. Blessed. Thank you, God, you provide all of my needs. Yeah, in order for us to provide other people's needs. (laughs) Thank you, God, that I'm healed. Now, you don't have to receive your healing to lay hands on somebody else. Whatever you got on the inside, you can give. And In actual fact, if you need healing in your own body, go lay hands on somebody else. What you sow, you reap. If you've got some needs in your own life, go and meet somebody else's needs. We're not saying we've got to be 100% in order to be a blessing. But can I say we are blessed to be a blessing and a part of the, the fact we come to Christ is to bring other people to Christ. The fact of me being taught by God is so that I can pass on things to other people and they can be taught by God. Amen. And the fact that He restores my life means that I can introduce other people to the great restorer. We are in a world that is crying out in pain. They have no idea what to do. Life is getting ripped apart, left, right and centre. Families are just being destroyed. There's no hope in the natural for marriages, for kids, no hope for the education system, no hope for racism. There's no hope for poverty. Oh yeah, there is, Pastor Jay, because this this bit of science is going to do that and that law is going to change that and that new policy in education is going to sort out all the children in the United Kingdom and that new law and that new thing is going to stop all the stabbings that take place in London and that that new thing over there, you know what? When they bring that in, it's going to deal with racism, you know? Cloud cuckoo land, guys. The only hope for this world is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's good news, guys. Man alive, it's good news. Man, is it good news. The good news is I can love my brother. I can love my sister no matter what. Age, race, religion. The good news is that as he loved me, so I can love other people. The good news is He's forgiven me so I can forgive others. The good news is I've accepted Him so I can accept others. He's accepted me so I can accept others. The good news is even though the world's in the most horrendous financial mess, I mean, seriously, this thing has gone nuts. (laughs) Nuts. Who would have thought three years ago we would be facing what we're facing today? Inflation, 6.5%. It'll soon be 10%. That only happens in nations that have got a real problem. (laughs) And don't blame the government, guys. 
Don't start pointing the finger at the government. This is not a United Kingdom problem. Hello? And you know, I'm not political. I, don't, I, I, I do not use my platform for you know, political statements. But can I just say, this is not a government problem. This is a world problem. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the windows of heaven are open over your life? Aren't you glad that my God has got all the gold and the silver and that He said, I'm going to prosper your life? Aren't you glad that as we seek first the kingdom of God, all the stuff the Gentiles seek pour onto your lap? You can prosper in a desert. Come on, you need to be getting more excited about this. I tell you, you can prosper in the middle of a recession, in the middle of a depression. You can prosper wherever. You put me in the middle of a desert and I'm going to prosper. Birds are going to feed me. Amen. Oh, Pastor Joe, I've got nothing left. Sounds like Elisha's widow, the widow in Elisha's time, got nothing left. There's but a little jar of oil. Says the woman whose arm didn't work. You need to use that testimony. Little bit of oil, what am I going to do with that? I'm just going to eat a cake and die. That's it, business gone. Forget it. Nothing can prosper in this environment now. <laughs> Dare I say the kingdom of God is unshakable? Yes. <laughs> unshakable. <laughs> Blessed and highly favoured. Yes. See, Jesus sends us. What does He send us with? A message of hope. We're not just saying, hey, everything will be all right. It'll be wonderful. I mean, it's great that you go into your work smiling. Please don't go in grumpy. Do not be the grumpy Christian. Look at someone and say, don't be grumpy. Come on. Don't be the grumpy Christian in work, please. And then invite them to Citygate. They'll go, no, thank you. <laughs> Must be a grumpy church. Don't be the grumpy believer somewhere. And don't be that weird spiritual person who comes in shouting, hallelujah, on a Monday morning. Just don't do it, Jessica. I told you before. Don't do it. Just stop it. Be someone with a quality of life that says he's chosen me. He's taught me. He's restored me. And he sends me. What does he send us with? He sends us with a message of hope. Let's have the band back up or somebody back up. I feel quite lonely up here on this platform right now. He sends us. What does he do as he sends us? He empowers us. Don't you love this? I love this. I was so encouraged preparing for this. He empowers me. He empowers me. What does it mean to empower? He gives you the authority to do the job. He empowers you to do the job. And can I just say, he doesn't have to keep empowering you. He's already said, I've got all authority. Go and make disciples. Go do it. Empowers us. He empowers me. What else does he do? He equips me. Aren't you glad you've got what you need to do the job? Nothing more frustrating than me going to do something at home and I don't have the tools to do it. 
and I've got to make the tools or buy the tools or borrow the tools or try and find the tools. I had to, I had to change something on my car the other day, the Lambda sensor. I had to tell you, man, flipping it, what a job. I've just taken off the whole subframe of the Jag that I've got and the whole sub, the rear subframes come out and rebuilt all of that stuff and had all the tools for that. One little thing that I needed to undo, I didn't have the tool for it. I knew how to do it. I was empowered to do it. I know what I'm doing with it. I'm a mechanic. I know what I'm doing. But I didn't have the right tool. Aren't you glad Jesus has given you the tools you need? The tools you need. You know what the tools are? We could get into all of this, couldn't we? You got the tools to do the job. What else does He do? He enables me. He empowers me. He equips me. But He enables me. He gives me the ability to go out and make disciples. We're going to have a great time over these next few weeks and months as we find out what it is to be chosen, to be taught. (laughs) I'm chosen. You may not like me, but I'm chosen. You may not love me, but God loves me. I'm chosen by Almighty God. I'm taught. He teaches me. He restores me, but He sends me. Do you know you're chosen today? Do you know you're chosen? Do you know His Word, His voice, His Spirit teaching you on the inside? Do you know He's your restorer? And do you know that you're sent? Let's all stand to our feet here today. I hope you got something out of that. I don't know what expression you'd use about yourself, Christian follower of Christ, disciple, believer. They're all good. Let's not get into all the legality of terminology. But I just want to ask today, have you come to Christ? And that's not just a one-time thing. I know I gave my little bit of my personal testimony earlier that I came to Christ on October the 8th, 1984. I came to Christ that day, no question in my mind. But I've come to Jesus so many times since. He says, come to me all who are weak, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He said, come to me and I'll make you fishers of men. In fact, we draw near to God on a daily basis. Not just on a Sunday, We draw near to God. See, to say I'm a Christian, fine. That's that's fine. If you say I'm a Christian in in work or somewhere, they'll sort of get it. They might not like it. But if you say I'm a follower of Jesus, they'll go, that sounds really weird. Why? Because it becomes very personal about the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, there are people who call themselves Christians who don't believe you can follow Jesus. 
and don't really believe anything. Come on, let's just stand in the presence of God here today, shall we? And right now, we're going to come to Christ. We're going to come again. And Lord, we've been here in your presence and you've graced us with your presence here today in a wonderful way. And we've entered in with thanksgiving and with praise and we're standing in the presence of greatness and taking the Lord our, our, sh- our shoes off our feet because it's holy ground and we've had the praise and the exuberance with everything I've got my heart will sing Lord but today we just want to say we come to Jesus Jesus we will follow you Simon Peter he gave up his business and followed Lord you're not telling us to leave work right now but you want the same commitment you want the same response and Lord as we stand in your presence here today we thank you Lord for a fresh fresh sense of relationship with you Heavenly Father with you Jesus Christ with you mighty Holy Spirit of God whether that's with your word or your voice or with some teaching or with the sending or with the restoration Lord whatever it is right now we come to you Jesus and we receive you again Jesus as our Lord and Saviour healer, deliverer, provider, restorer of our soul, transformer of our lives. We come to you, Jesus. If you're here today for the first time, or perhaps you've been here many times, but you know you've got to come to Jesus in a very, very specific way. You know you've got to receive Jesus Christ as Lord or come back to God. We ask this every week. This is not unusual for us, but if you're here today and you say, Pastor Jay, I know I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior or come back to him after you know you've not lived the life that you say you say I'm a Christian, but there's not really the lifestyle there. I don't know. If you're here today and you know, Pastor Jay, I I want you to pray with me. We're not going to embarrass you in any way or anything like that. But even though Jesus died for you publicly, And we're not ashamed of him. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Joe, will you pray for me? I want to come back to Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you with every eye closed and every head bowed to lift your hand in this auditorium right now, please. Come on, come to Jesus. Don't leave this place today without responding to the fact that God loves you. Come on, receive him as your Lord and Savior. Lift your hand up high so I can see it. That's wonderful. Let's all pray this prayer together today. Let's say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. You sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to pay the price for all my sin. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I turn away from the way I've lived, apart from you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I'll never be the same again. I receive eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in this house today. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being online with us today. And um, we trust that you've 
really had a sense of God's presence here today and that God has spoken something very, very specific and key into your heart. You know, for what God said to you might be completely different to what God said to the person next to you. But whatever it is, let's commit to being those who do the word and not just hear it only. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Go and help make somebody else's life great. God bless you. See you next time.